Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. In this week's interview, we're speaking to Michael Fisher, who is the founder of a cannabis club in the UK uh, called Teesside Cannabis Club. Now, of course, many of you know that cannabis is still illegal recreationally in the UK. So I wanted to get Michael on to discuss how he started his club, why he started his club and how he keeps his members safe from being arrested as well and how he has stayed open for 10 years man so and this ended up to be a really cool interview we discussed loads of cool shit and it's very inspirational and i hope many of our uk listeners hear this interview and get inspired to open up their own cannabis clubs as well that would be very cool but anyway uh it's 4 20 tomorrow just in case you don't know and we are having a session over our youtube channel youtube.com slash high on homegrown we will be giving away two hlg grow lights and also some seeds and other stuff as well so if you're free tomorrow at 9 p.m uk time that's uh 4 p.m eastern and 1 p.m pacific so if you're free tomorrow at those times come and join us for a session share a joint with us maybe win some stuff it's going to be a fun session so hopefully we'll see you there but anyway let's move on with the interview uh roll yourself a fat one and sit back and enjoy this I'll speak to you at the end. See you in a bit. Yeah, man, how you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Sweet. Yeah, well, good. You know, I'm Mackie. I'm the host of the show. I'm from the UK, just like you guys here in the UK. I'm sat with uh, one of my one of my partners in the business, Adrian Greeley. Uh, yeah. So we're both here to chat with you, mate. If you've got any questions or anything you want to know, happy to talk. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, thank you very much for joining us. You know, I appreciate you taking the time out to come and chat to us. The uh, the the main thing really is how do you do what you do? Because you are you run the Teesside Cannabis Club, right? Yeah, yeah. We've been operating for coming up ten years in December. Ten years. Yeah, a decade almost. Damn. So what what was the what's the start of your journey, man? What what made you decide to start the Teesside Cannabis Club? So in two well, end of 2013, I was over in my base, Spain, and I was right. sat in a kind of a social club in Spain, really enjoyed what I was seeing. I ended up chatting with my brother and a couple of other people, and I said, just jokingly, you wound them up. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go back to the UK and set up one. Everyone left me out of the club, said, good luck with that, you'll get yourself locked up. Mm-hmm. Went back over to England, back to Middlesbrough, Teesside. Set up a Facebook page. Back then, in 2014, there wasn't really a lot of Facebook pages or Instagram pages with cannabis in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember London Cannabis Club was running. Uh, United Kingdom Cannabis Social Clubs, UPA, United Patients Alliance, uh, Clark, Clark French. They were one of Medi Monkeys. I remember like a few of the names that are still about now, know that were about then. Uh, so I set up the Facebook page, set up the Instagram page, started a meet and greet, a talk and talk. Right. Did that in the in the spring of 2014, just basically through the Facebook meet and greets, and then used the fake name, John Holiday, because I'm into my cowboys and westerns. Right. And I had a history of cannabis. Uh, 
supply and cannabis maybe should we say you know like yes, people, yes, yes. yeah and these people were going <laughs> to know who, who, who i was and the police obviously knew me i had quite a checkered past with them from my previous past mm-hmm. so i didn't want to get shut down before i had any chance to get anywhere with it if that made sense yeah yeah so operating under a fake name doing the fake events or talk not the fake events so you're doing the events doing the talk and talk uh first event over 30 people turned up so i knew there was an interest in it damn uh, first three months did them events just basically at random outdoor public meeting spaces after i'd done the events for three months people i said could we do a festival or could we do something at a beach so we did the first festival which would later be called kind of camp fest and it became the beach barbecue smoke out for the first one that was our first interactions dealing with the council and dealing with the police was because we'd had quite a bit of not necessarily media attention over the festival but we had media attention over some of the publicity stunts i've done to get attention with the the facebook page mm-hmm. involved planting cannabis in high profile places in the northeast Sweet. Uh, taking photographs of cannabis in front of the police station stuff like that and sending them off to the press and then running stories working in conjunction with the press to put out a good story that when you were going to get clicks and views and building up the ballad of john holiday as we called it back then so that happened in the April, the first bit of press going out. And Durham Police had approached me through the press. So I sent a message back to the Durham Police, but we didn't know who it was at the time, just someone senior saying, basically, mm-hmm. are you out as well on this podcast? Or yeah, not? of course, mate. Yeah, so we like. Yeah. yeah, so I sent a message back saying, uh, go fuck yourself, catch me when you can. They <laughs> quoted me the press and sent that message back to Durham Police. Durham Police is my neighbouring police force for your listeners out there. My police force is Cleveland Police, but my neighbouring police force is Durham Police. On one of my journeys, I travelled through three different police districts and gave out cannabis seeds and planted plants. So there was three forces that had been contacted by the press to see what their reaction was to what I'd been up to with my antics, basically. Mm-hmm. So when Durham Police had gone in touch, I told them basically, go fuck yourself. When when the festival came round, the national press turned up, people from all over the country turned up, someone from Germany even turned up. So wow. I knew my photograph was going to be taken and I was going to end up in the national press where people were then going to be saying, that's not John Holiday, that's Michael Fisher. Mm-hmm. So we ran with it anyway. The media wasn't too bad, to be fair. They didn't pick up on my real name. No, like So we got away with it. But Durham Police had got back in touch with the press and said, would you be interested in coming and meeting again and having a chat? So, but they wanted to meet directly with you or meet with the press. Yes, yeah, someone senior at Durham Police was the message that I was given. Someone senior at Durham Police would like to meet with me wow. and have a cup of tea. So I sent a message back via the journalist saying, "If I don't have a cup of tea, are they going to come uninvited for a cup of tea at my house?" <laughs> <laughs> and they said, "No, not at all. It's all friendly." So I tossed a coin, Mister Fifty Fifty, and it said go. So I went for it. I went and met with them at uh, Durham headquarters. Smoked about a quarter of cannabis in the car park, panicking, thinking, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe yeah, like, I'm what the this. fuck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Walked into the headquarters with a guy called Trev Coleman, who at the time was Yeah, we know there. Trev. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. So Trev was working with me in the early days, running some of my social media pages and bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. So Trev accompanied me and went in to meet with Ron Hogg. Now, we both stunk a cannabis walking into that headquarters and going mm-hmm. through all them doors. But when we got in to meet with Ron, Ron instantly met us with a smile, a warm, like, a warm gaze, mm-hmm. and basically said, you all right, Michael? We've had a room dedicated to you for six months. <laughs> so, 
But like well, like was, uh, with the with the chalkboard up there and they've got the uh, <laughs> the the lines to all your pictures trying to yeah. figure out who you are that kind of shit. So my messages have been scrutinized, everything had been scrutinized, phone calls, records, social media, probably what I even wank to. No, like everything had been scrutinized. And basically he quizzed me and said, Why have you stopped selling cannabis? And I said, Because I had a feeling you were gonna be watching. <laughs> no, like I said, so mm-hmm. I've been giving it away. And he said, It's not a sustainable business model, is it? So <laughs> Yeah, Ron Hogg was apparently a real nice guy as well, wasn't he? He was a really nice guy and he was well ahead of his time in terms of his forward thinking. Mm-hmm. So working with Ron off that first meeting, he said he enjoyed reading about me on the morning when he was having his couple and reading the paper. So I continued being provocative. So that's what I did. And over the next 12 months, we got a lot of national media attention. Uh, ended up doing the thing with Jeremy Carl, the thing with Professor Green, a few other little documentaries for like Sky News and BBC News and stuff. And got lots and lots of attention, positive attention. Even the negative press from the Daily Mail doing three or four negative stories on me hmm. was still turned into a positive story by the end of it. And now we're doing positive stories. So it wasn't really a bad experience for us. But at this time in 2015, the end of 2015, I threw a Christmas party, which was probably the catalyst for what we have here today. Right. So the Christmas party involved me renting a car park, not a car park, sorry, a, a car garage that we converted to turn into basically one of the shittiest crack shack cannabis clubs you've ever seen in your life <laughs> charged 20 quid entry for people to come to this christmas party and we took seven and a half grand on the door just off people wanting to come and attend but i put it all on facebook live so the police could watch and anyone else that wanted to watch <laughs> so the press went wild and said like how come you haven't been raided and i said well don't run the story i said i'm gonna run a, a new year party too I said, and if the New Year's party takes off, I said, you've got a proper story to run in January rather than running all like a story now over Christmas. Mm-hmm. So they all agreed and they all kept quiet and stunned and they let it play out and we got the New Year's party and nothing happened. <laughs> so no the first went wild and had a field day and I went and met with Ron again and Ron was like, what are you, like, what's happening with the club? And I said, basically, I've got a space here that I've rented. Uh, we're going to move across from where we are now from the garage to a taxi office. It was an old taxi office. That's the place that you see on the Jeremy Carl documentary. If you've seen the Jeremy Carl thing, hmm. that's where we took him. So it's on a traveler site and like in South Bank in Middlesbrough. So it's a decent, decent area to take like celebrities to. And um, <laughs> we took Jeremy Carl and did the documentary there. But when we met with the police and went to, explain about the premises and how it was operating and how the model, the early model was working. The issue was basically I was paying rent, paying gas and electric and paying rates on a building for a bunch of people to turn up and sell whatever drugs they wanted, carry weapons on them. Right. And there was no control, there was no regulation. And I was the one Mm -hmm. that was putting the bill for all of this. So over a period of probably three or four meetings with Ron, we formulated the model of what we have here today, which is basically a harm reduction model that takes away a lot of the risks and and the uh, illicit activity that's associated with the black market by providing a safe, secure space for people to consume cannabis or to get cannabis, whatever they need, and basically, but it's all regulated in-house by the members and by the, the staff on the model itself. Nice. So that's literally where we started and without going through like the, the eight years where we are now, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm, to this mm-hmm. point here, this is our fourth building 
uh, we've been on the high street in Stockton Tees now, which is it's not got much to claim about, but it's the widest high street in the UK, so we can claim that. <laughs> <laughs> we've, been on, we've been on the high street for five years, is it? Now, yeah. We've been on the high high street for f- five years. Yeah, we've just well we've just signed a fresh lease a, a few months back, so we must have been here five years. I'm assuming. Damn. Uh, but yeah, it's been a roller coaster. A lot of people just probably read about us or see it and think that it's all plain sailing, but there's a hell of a lot goes on behind closed doors hmm. and a lot of sleepless nights. Oh, for sure. And a lot of stress and headache to keep the members safe and keep keep everything running as smoothly as we can without it affecting anybody, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, so what does it look like on the... Because it's just on the high street. Do you have signs outside? So yeah, yeah. Teesside Cannabis Club. The windows are stickered up with our brand, which we've got copyrighted, and we've got a deal in place separately, a license deal. So a national distributor's bought the licensed brand, and they supply smoking accessories and clothing and stuff under our brand, but we get a royalty off them, basically. Yeah, and it's hashtag if you know, you know. Right, right. Is that what it is? Because yeah. uh, we've had a couple of people in chat here saying, uh, if you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it is, mate. Yeah. If you know, you know. So that's just started to take off. Uh, and they've just done a, we've just done a CBD deal as well. So there's going to be CBD branded stuff coming out as well. But the guy that we've done the license deal to, he supplies uh, the likes of, is it B&M, Bag and Bice, uh, Premier, Poundland. Poundland, all them kinds of places. So... Hopefully, with a bit of luck, we should see the brand hitting the high streets. It's already hitting shops, small retailers, but we just need one of the big retailers to take it on out of the out of the catalogue. Nice. And that's it set. So, uh, how, so do, how do you not get busted then? Because you just oh, well, blatantly yeah, on the been, high street like been that. Countless times to try and shut it down and close it down. It's not that mm. they don't try. Like mm. I've been threatened with jail. I've been threatened with fines. I just don't talk about it. I just don't put it out there. People think that this is some golden ticket shit. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the shit that I go through with it. Like, I've had senior officers just knock on the door and say, basically, this isn't happening. You're shutting down, you're closing down. I can't really go into details about why I'm staying open. But mm-hmm. I was told before Ron Hogg passed away to make sure that I always secured myself and made sure that I had protection. And I've gathered enough evidence, I would say, over the last 10 years to make a lot of headache for people if they wanted to come and try and push on my members and try and like close this down Mm. so i hope it doesn't ever come to that but i'm here for the long haul like i've been told straight to my face we're shutting you down closing you down we're still here because i genuinely believe in this i genuinely believe in ron hogg's legacy Mm -hmm. and i believe that while there's a breath a breath in my body while there's a beat in my heart you have to kill me if you're going to kill this you ain't killing it yeah, man. What what was so different about Ron Hogg? I mean, because he was a, a Ron was like, police officer. Wasn't yeah, he? he was a guardian angel because my criminal record and my previous history before meeting Ron, my last charge was witness intimidation and attempt murder. So it right. wasn't like I was I was mainly involved with cannabis, but it wasn't like I wasn't around naughty people or like involved in other things. Hmm. And Ron took a chance on me, a massive gamble on me because he knew who I was, he knew what my past was. He was the chief of Cleveland Police when I was at my worst. Hmm. so for him to take that chance and gamble on me made me change my ways massively i had a daughter in 2012 another one in 2014 which made me change my outlook and made me change mm-hmm. how i thought about things and processed things and where i wanted the direction in my life to go and giving back and using my dad's inheritance from when he passed away in 2013 to set up the club and fund the club 
mm. giving back to people who had cancer, giving back to terminal patients, giving back to just people who were ill in general. I don't know if it was in some way trying to ease my burden of guilt from my previous life or stuff like that, but everything aligned. Like this was already written. I never, I never once expected any police force to approach me, let alone to have five, six different forces approach me, sit and talk to me, come and sit in my club. I never expected any of that. I expected to be sat locked up in a cellmate, but I was there for the fight anyway. I've always called myself a Spartan. I always said it's front line and I always felt that like, if more people were willing to stand for the beliefs, beliefs and fight for this, would have been legal five years ago, six years ago before medical come in. We had so much momentum in 2015, 2016, mm. and the UK groups just splintered and fraction. There was too many chefs, not enough cooks. Right. And that's not what's needed. What we need now is it doesn't matter how many fucking clubs people open. What we do, we just need to keep pushing. People need to just start making noise. People need to just start saying, we want access. It's great having medical access. I'm all for medical access. But we need recreational access. This shit should be available to grow. You should be able to buy it in your news agent. You should be able to buy it from your local corner. Mm. Wherever the fuck you want it to plant. And that's what, like, my mission is to make sure that people have access to whatever cannabis they want. Mm-hmm. And, like, a, a side product and byline by of this is I've ended up with the club staying successful for 10 years, getting a brand deal out of it and other things. But that was never intended. All of this is just, like, by accident. Ron Hogg yeah. approached me. Best thing that could have ever happened in my life. In passing away in 2019, literally it left a huge void, not just in my life, because he became a close personal friend up until his death, but also in our members' lives, also in the club's life, also in our day-to-day operating, because we no longer had that guardian angel that was over our shoulder watching us. Mm-hmm. In 2020, Cleveland Police's ex-chief put a tweet out on Twitter saying, Basically, he'd seen the BBC thing from three years ago, decided to reach out on 420 and said, we don't support or condone you. I'll kick you fucking down. No, like, this is the shit I'm dealing with on a fucking yearly basis, mate. Every time there's an election, every time there's any bullshit. Right, some right. shop wants to make some noise. Mm-hmm, I'll mm-hmm. get hate and pressure. And, like, all the all the idiots out there that talk shit about me and don't they don't understand what's going on behind closed doors. They don't understand the fight and the battle that we have to stay open. They think yeah. this was given to me on a silver platter and all, like, they don't understand the battle scars on my body. They don't understand the blood, sweat and tears that have gone into mm-hmm. this. And the battle scars on the mind as well, you know, the PTSD that follows all this shit. Mate, like, you don't realise, like, how we've lost staff members over this. We've lost all sorts. Like, it has a knock-on effect, not just on my mental health, but on, like, my team's mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, it goes deep and, like, people don't realise, like, it, it, it's been a roller coaster, mate. I'd never change it for the world. It'll make a great TV series. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like I said, it's just one of them things, mate. Like, I'm along for the ride. I feel like everything happens for a reason. Everything's already written. And mm-hmm. I'm just playing a part, a character in this movie or in this, in this whatever it is. <laughs> Main character energy and all that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not a non-playable character. Definitely yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so how do you avoid, I mean, how do you keep your members safe? So basically, when we first set the club up, mm. once we had a model that the police backed and supported, right, we arranged a meeting with the Police Chief Federation and the, the lead of that, and they came and met with us, and we handed over what in some countries would be conspiracy intent to supply if cannabis is illegal, but in other countries where cannabis is legal, it would be just considered a business plan. Yeah. So I met them with that 
understanding of depending on your mindset you will either take this as intent conspiracy of intent supply or take this as a business plan mm-hmm. they love the harm reduction model so i'd asked if they could put it out to all 43 police forces and then asked how we could implement this in other areas then literally six months later the elections hit all of the support that was there was voted out so we were left literally in the time while the later on hog passed away so we've been literally out here fighting by ourselves and like we have members of the cannabis community that try and pull us apart just because like they don't have a clue <laughs> like it's crazy mm-hmm. it's crazy there's too much infighting mate and like that's yeah, what yeah. i'm friends with like well you can call it friends i suppose uh friends with people who are high up in senior places and they're sitting giggling mate with like lords and peers about the infighting and about all the fact that basically these stoners are no threat to the establishment because not everyone's got the same heart and same fight mm-hmm. and they know that there's too much bickering they know that there's too many people just trying to pull, pull like snide tactics behind people's backs too much backstabbing and that's playing into the establishment's hands and that's what people, yeah, people don't sure. realize and that's what mm. the kind of community you need to realize is there's too many fucking cunts in it you need to weed out the cunts get them out and we start focusing as a unit and pushing as a unit. Mm. None of this fucking my club's better than your club. None of this fucking my brand's bigger than your brand. Yeah. We should all be making it. We should all, all be looking at the same destination. Mm-hmm. So, man, you heard about what got, happened with Gary Yowds recently as well, right? I'm Gary sure. is a fucking warrior, mate. We stand on the shoulders of people like Gary Yowds. Yeah, yeah. He's 20 years deep, the shares, isn't he? Or some, somewhere mm-hmm. close. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He might be 21 years deep. I feel like it was 2002, 2003 set up. Yeah, it's been um, good for a long time. And that's what I'm saying. So there's men like Gary Hughes who couldn't have the fucking media attention that we had. But look at the jail he served. Look at the battle scars on his body. Look at the yeah. battle scars on his mind. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And this is what I'm saying. Like even the late Jeff Ditchfield, me and him might have not seen eye to eye when he like before he passed away. But another giant that we stand on, you no know, like the likes of Howard Max. Even though know, like mm-hmm. there's so many people in the UK that have been pivotal before we come along. But the reason there was a massive shift and change in 2014, 15, 16, genuinely, is because of my work and Ron Hogg's work and pushing this, pushing yeah. this forward back in the UK CSE, back in other agencies and organisations, making some noise. The problem is, like I said, it imploded on itself because there wasn't the right people at the head of the organisations that were trying to push. Right. Is that why the wheels stopped turning, you think? That's what I would say, mate. No, like, in my opinion, it wasn't the right people. If it, like... There's certain entities in the community that I feel are right for certain things. And I think one of the, you know, Simper Carter. Yeah, yeah. Right. Me and Simper, he'll tell you the truth. We probably don't always see eye to eye, but he would have been ideal to run one of them big UK organisations that was in charge of cannabis. Someone like with his mindset mm-hmm. would have pushed it further. I had no interest in it. I was vice chairman. I had no interest in that because to me, I was pushing a different agenda. I had my own mission. Right. And I was happy to try and bring other people along with me, but obviously I couldn't deviate from my own goals and my own agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's genuine people out there. I've seen a lot of work from Simple in recent years that's made me change my opinion on him and I see him as a genuine hard work and campaigner, do you know what I mean, and what mm-hmm. he's pushing for. Yeah. Uh, there's other people out there just like him, but then there's a lot of dings out there, literally, who shouldn't be given a microphone, who shouldn't be given like any opportunity to be on social media, who shouldn't have a following. Just yeah, there was one in specific, which I, I know some people in the chat would know who I'm referring to, but we won't say any names. But there was one guy who uh, he was around a lot like last year and then he got called out by some members of the community wondering what his 
real motives are. And then he's just vanished. Nobody hears from him anymore. Yeah, no, this is what I'm saying. And like, there's too much of that shit, but I, if mm. you don't know who's the establishment too. And you've got yeah. to look at everything mm-hmm. like that. And I sound paranoid. I sound like a crazy fucker. Got to be, mate. But, and the only reason that I say that we've got some level of protection, mate, is because the shit that I've got over the last 10 years is like different departments, government departments, councils, fucking different police departments. It's major back and like major support, hospital referrals, you name it, we've got it. We've had people referred in from the Department of Work and Pensions that must use this place twice a week. No, like, we've got the paperwork. Mm-hmm. So I'll fight in court, mate. I'll ride this till the wheels fall off. I'm here for my members, no, like, and last. We've got wheelchair users. We've got you. I'll, I'll let Adrian speak because he, he actually runs the day-to-day club. I'm not over here that often. So I'll let Adrian tell you about some of the people that we have using the place. Yeah, yes, we've got um, audiences very like old the pensioners uh well, really like, so what you get mostly the uh, the people who visit your club are, are pensioners yeah yeah wow fucking hell you wouldn't um, expect that would you no and then then again like there's a lot of people who are using it medicinally who who are, are relying on us as, as sort of this stop between if you get me hmm. um they, they can't afford these services that are, are private prescriptions. So, again, we, we've got this membership service that will let them have this access. And, and yeah, it goes from everything to, to the sort of recreational user that de-stresses at the end of the night with, with whatever to people who actually treat treat the pain with it, make their own edibles. I mean, it's 70, 76, 78-year-old lady, and she comes in like once every, say, two, one, three times, four times a year, and she just gets enough so that she can make her own chocolate, and she has one of these squares of chocolate every night before bed, and that's her insomnia sorted. Sweet. So, it's, yeah, little things like that. that just... Our oldest member's 89 years old, was on a prescription painkillers, on fentanyl patches. Wow. Got her on edibles and got her on cannabis oil and vapes, and she's off everything. She doesn't nice. even take cannabis no more now. Wow, fucking hell. So, just a complete change off, just come off all the pain meds. Yeah, we have like a lot of, a lot of disabled users, and then we have. Normal nine to five workers. We don't open during the day because we have no customers, no base during the day. No right. one comes till after five pm. So mm. we literally operate five till nine for a reason because we were paying staff to be stood around all day doing nothing. Mm. It's not, but also it's a very safe, welcome, and warm environment for people to come. Uh, we have live music on three or four times a month usually, so we donate around about thousand pound to twelve hundred quid to local artists a month. Sweet. And put live acts on. Uh, We've recently done some refurbishment and opened the space out to make it a lot wider and more accommodating again. We do Christmas parties and 420 parties, a lot of functions. We give away, was it 15 TV at Christmas? It was at least a 15 TV and a load of other shite. No, like we do good competitions, we give back to the community, we don't squander the profits, no, like yeah, we try and we try and give back and try and do what we can. We're in the process of setting up a foundation as well. Because uh, we were advised by public health that we would be able to bid to be able to help people with mental health and stuff, no one get funding for that. So we're going down that route currently. Um, 
Stars and Bickle. Stars and Bickle have just given yeah, I'll let you they they've just donated us uh for uh, volcano medics so that Damn, can, nice. Uh, we we hire them out to as members and like rent them out and then we've got them in in the lounge for people to use as well. Sweet. Um, and then my medica as well. Oh, and then yeah, we've recently partnered with my medica, who basically a cannabis prescription clinic based in London. Right. And through partnering with them now, we can do prescriptions in house, so you can speak to a doctor while you're in house and get yourself. Uh, Registered as a medical cannabis patient, get registered medical prescription sent here. Damn. Um, so that's only happened in probably the last five or six weeks. Yeah. Just yeah. another aspect and dimension we had to add to protect our members and to protect ourselves because of current elections going on and uh, heat from parties, basically. It's crazy yeah. to think of this stuff going on in the UK, man, because, you know, it's highly illegal. It's great, mate. Staying yeah. open, you don't understand. I bet, I bet it is, mate, yeah. <laughs> And this is my main question overall, you know, is like, how, how do you stay open? But obviously you just well, keep fucking working hard. Members, <laughs> you, you've got, you've got yeah. 630 members that use the service each month. Now you're never going to get 600. Well, that's currently, there's probably a few more actually. This was like, what, about six that's eight weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be higher than that now. But, um, so if you work on can cards, figures of 459 pound, I think they have for a cannabis arrest and processing or like, Wow. That's over £282,000 if you're going to come lock my members up to be members of this club. Mm. You can save that by just leaving them alone with the registered card that they've got to say that they're a medical cannabis user or a recreational cannabis user and they use this establishment and this is where the product comes from. You've got a full you've got a full trace back, full lineage, full paperwork trail. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a safe product for them. We've had members pulled by the police and given the cannabis back because they can prove where it's come from. No way. We've had a, a guy up from London last week who's come up basically to find out about the medical prescriptions, been pulled by three squaddies in Teesside, told them that he's been to our venue, told them that he's just arranged for consultation with my medica and that he signed up to us, showed them the card, they let him on his way. Wow, man. So, so we've, got, we've, we've had lads who've been pulled, smoking in the cars, the dickheads, Hmm. Had the weed took off them, told them the members, showed the fact that the card still lost the license for smoking in the car, but got the weed back when they got the cells. No way. Yeah. So you're making a lot of progress with the work that you do, man. It's good to hear it's that shit. Down with the officer's discretion and most officers, if they have a quick Google search, if they don't know about us, there's a lot on us out there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've been invited to Parliament, mate. I've had chats with people, I've had conversations. It's not what you know too, you know, or like we like to say, if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's literally where a unicorn in the UK, mate. Yeah. We're mythical. We shouldn't exist. I don't know why we exist, but I ain't letting this unicorn die. So how do we push this shit forward, man? How do we make more cities open their own uh, You need to be getting on crime commissioners, getting on the council executives. Pushing. When you when you say like, getting on to the crime commissioner, what do you mean by that? What, what do you have? Well, we've reached out to countless crime commissioners, and like I said, we had feedback from them. No, like, but... We never approached the police, so that's one key thing I want to stress before anything, is mm. we never approached the police. My plan was never approach the police, never ask permission. Adrian will tell you, because he's only come to work for me recently, he's very much all about asking permission on you, Adrian. Yeah. And I'm the opposite, mate, because Ron told me very early on in my relationship with Ron that it's down for people like him to enforce the law. It's down for people like me to change the law, and that right. resonated. 
Yeah. Yeah, man, for sure. That's good, good way to I do really it. don't give a fuck if your listeners want to adopt our model, if they want to fucking make their own model up or what the fuck they do. I just think they need to be making noise, pushing forward and not rolling over because there's too many people. What, what's the jail you get in like? What are you going to jail for? Really, for setting up a cannabis club? Or mm. setting up, what are you going to jail for? Even on the intent of supply, if you haven't got six months or two years in you, you stood on the wrong front man. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Fair enough, you medical patients and that. You just can't fight. That's why I'm here. I'm a medical patient, but I'm able-bodied. I'm here to fight. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of other people that are able to fight that should be on that front man. Look at Gary. Every time he gets fucking locked up, he comes out and that fucking... That place stays open. He doesn't shut, does he? He doesn't roll over. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's the attitude. There shouldn't be just me and Gary with that attitude. You know what I mean? Mm. We need more Spartans, less fucking what are the Arcadians, less carpenters and plumbers, <laughs> and more fucking Spartans. That's what we need. Damn. Mm. It's just dangerous out there. You know, some people... It is, mate, but you know what? We get comfortable, I was saying this to Adrian mm-hmm. earlier. We get used to living in the comfort zone, mate. Comfortable is nice, yeah. comfortable, warm, comfortable, safe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. where we need to get li- like living, where we need to get used to is uncomfortable because then yeah. that becomes the norm. Then you don't have the stress, you don't have the sleepless nights, you don't have the worry because in your heart, you believe everything that you're saying, everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. And I think that if people realise, like... Our model, if you can, if any of our listeners can get support from a council executive or support from a fucking police crime commissioner, we're willing to meet and roll the model out in their area with them. They can win the club and everything, and we'll figure out how we're going to operate the model and all that. And all that. That's not an issue, but we want the right candidates. The, the issue that we've had over the years is all it takes is one fucking bad apple, and it's all fucking fucked. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You need mm-hmm. it to be run right. And our model is a police-backed model. Even if current incarnations of police want to whinge and say this, that, and the other, it's a back model that was signed off by the Police Chief Federation. It's still discussed to this day in circles. It's still discussed at meetings. It's still discussed on committees. That model stands the test of time because it's not my model. It's a model that was formulated by politicians and senior police officers through Mm. feedback from me on the street, on the front line, of how we're operating, what we're doing, and basically where where the issues are, where the black holes are, what are causing us problems? How can we safeguard this? How can we safeguard that? How can we provide harm reduction for this? And I think, like, if your listeners choose that mindset, you don't have to be fucking, you don't have to say, oh, well, we're doing this or we're doing that. Just do it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, just do it. The police, most police forces haven't got the funding to be kicking yeah. your doors in every week. For sure, Get yourselves man. out there, make some fucking noise. Do you know what I mean? Man, you're making me get inspired here for me to just go to my high street and be like, fuck it, I'm having that place and it's going to be the coffee shop. Well, this is what I'm saying. We'll come for you fucking grand opening. (laughs) Like, this is what I'm saying. I've got a blue tick on Instagram. (laughs) Come on, let's do this. (laughs) I'm verified, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) But I just know that it would be a nice thing to have in the area. There's a lot of people who use cannabis around my way. Not just in one, like, CT side. We've got one club, mate. We've got members that literally travel from fucking Scotland, right? And fucking we've got people that fly over from America, sign up to use as well. They're on all day in the UK. These should be fucking in every council of the state, in every fucking suburb, on every fucking high street. There's fucking millions of people that use weed, mate. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I ain't trying to fucking limit this to we're the only brand out there. Fuck you. There's no other fucking... No, like, I ain't like that. What I'm saying is, in this space, we need sensible people operating. We need mm. safe people operating. And you need to fucking check your egos at the door. Like, I could have the biggest ego fucking going. I know people think I have got a bit of an ego, but that was me before I had the club. If you knew me anyway, you'd know I was a cock. 
the people who knew me before I had the club, Norm McCock. It was like, all a bit of a cock when we were young, though. That's just how yeah, it is. Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm Peter Pan. No, like, that's the bottom line. No, like, people who don't know me might assume that, like, my ego or my attitude is because of how successful we've been with the club. If you mm. knew me before I had the club, if I had a, post, a, a, pit, a, a, a pot to piss in, I had the same attitude, mate. I've always been the same. Mm. No, like, I couldn't give a fuck. My attitude's always been a northern attitude. Always been a smoggy teasider, always been a Spartan. <laughs> it's just now I've got something, some drive and ambition, something that I'm working towards, something that I want to leave. And you know what, Ron's legacy, I feel that, I'm going to say it, the establishment took the fucking piss. That man died. They had a massive fucking funeral for him, a state-like funeral. Right. They had bagpipers, they had fucking like a full massive fucking like almost military honours, but like police honours, fucking every cop out dressed in the best. Within six months, eight months, they were locking people up. I had to go as a witness. What was it? I was a, 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 a expert witness. I was an expert witness for the defence of a man who had brain cancer against Durham Police literally 12 months after one died. I had to go against their Crown Prosecution witness Damn. as an expert witness to stop them doing the Proceeds of Crime Act and taking this man to fucking jail. Fuck he had brain hell. cancer, he's terminal. His brother had grassed him up because he's because he wouldn't give his brother a cut of the grow, basically. Damn. Yeah. And like this was done police's force. I supplied evidence and it got throughout and it got not like and it got a good result. But the point is, that's ridiculous. That was a force that was all over the press in 2015 and 16 with me. Mm-hmm. Saying mm-hmm. that basically cannabis is legal in Durham. Come to cannabis, uh, come to Durham and smoke weed and all like you can do this, you can do that. And literally 12 months after the man died. You're trying to stamp on his legacy. It's terrible, like, isn't it, man? I can't let it go, mate. I'm still friends with Ron's widow, Maureen. Like, I cannot let that man's legacy die. He's sensible, not soft drugs approach. Yeah. He's fucking forward thinking. Men like Arthur Jones who are no longer in power and Hardy Odinsdu who are no longer in power, police crime commissioners who backed and supported him. Jason Harwin, who was the chief of uh, Lancashire Police, or Lincolnshire Police, sorry, and the chief of, uh, the assistant chief constable of Cleveland Police. These are all men that stood on the front line when they were in office you know, like, and should be commended for that. It's not an us and them attitude. There's a lot of police officers that genuinely, genuinely, genuinely support what we're all trying to achieve here. Yeah. yeah. Just seems like the guy's way at the top, and it? It's the uh, the government that's the biggest problem. The guy's way at the top, mate. They fucking love it. They're just trying to figure out how to get paid. They yeah, think yeah. it's fucking mm-hmm. brilliant. They can't understand. I've been, I've had handshakes off people asking me, I don't know how you exist. And I'm like, oh, it's amazing. And I'm like, and, like, it's just one of them things where I feel everything's already happening for a reason, mate. No, like, they've already got their own plans. They've already got their mm-hmm. own goal. We've just got to make sure that we keep our piece of that pie or you stake your fucking claim. Now, this is the gold rush. This is the green rush of what you're seeing in California. Mm-hmm. Men like Trev Coleman, all the shit that you chat, Trev, and I know you'll be listening, you do talk a lot of sense sometimes, and you're fucking right. He was talking about the gold rush, the green rush, about four years ago, mm-hmm. five years ago. And the man's right. He was talking about fucking, talking about fucking pretty much everything that's come up in the media. He was on before it. And like, it's men like Trev that when the, the system does go legal, he deserves a place in it, like a legal place, a good working place, not doing something that he can do, probably involving mm-hmm. computers. Yeah. He's been going through some shit lately, hasn't he? Because he got raided last year. Yeah, me and Trev have a strange relationship because he's a dickhead. I'm a dickhead. Two <laughs> dickheads. Don't, don't get on. <clears throat> so I love you Trev but you're always going to be a dickhead mate and like <laughs> that's how it's going to be 
<laughs> uh, I had thought through the grapevine. We, I think he deleted me on Facebook. I'm not sure, but um, I had through the grapevine that like, he'd had some problems, and like I would never wish any harm on him. He's got mm. a heart of fucking gold. He's not a fighter. He's not a bully. He's not a dick. He just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks about like every subject under the under the sun, and he's quite knowledgeable on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's always his way, not other ways. That's the problem. That's why I mean him don't get on. Yeah. Actually, sometimes that's just the way it is, isn't it? But as yeah, long but as we yeah, still well, work together towards the common goal of getting... Yeah, well, this is the thing, properly. like, Trev deserves, just as much as us or anyone else, is space, you know, like, in this, when it all comes through. Because mm-hmm. he's an asset, he's not a fucking... But, like, look at him, he got raided by Durham police. How the fuck can you have a yeah. TV crew in his fucking house? Full of them in a cannabis grow. Mm. Six year, five year before that. Yeah. Durham police, well aware that the man grows weed. And then bust him for fucking cannabis, fucking what a year ago or something like that. Yeah. I say anyway, like it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's uh, it, why it, they must be leaving it until it's good for them. Like this would look good on the, for the press yeah. now yeah, if we did it now. I can't believe it happened, mate. Like I said, like, I am a grass, right? But you best believe if you come fucking knocking on my door trying to fucking raid this shit and shut my members down and close this. I will be the biggest fucking screaming bitch going to the press saying, I've got this, I'll show you that, I'll see, I'll leak this file. <laughs> no, like, I'd have made some noise, I can't believe Trev didn't make some noise, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't believe he never reached out, I only found out way after it had happened. Right. But, like, yeah, I think if he'd have handled that with, like, some major noise in the press, <laughs> saying, like, this is fucking crazy, they know that I'm a medical user. There's been documented evidence. He didn't just do that Professor Green thing, it was a half an hour special on fucking Inside Out with him on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's plenty of stuff out there showing him using cannabis, showing him growing cannabis. Like, obviously, people are going to kick his door and eventually people get jealous. They want fucking weed. You know what it's like mm-hmm. on the street. You expect that. But to have the police kick his door, you don't expect that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's terrible, man, especially when he was asking him for help. You know? Exactly, 100%. Like, how the fuck did you... There was a bigger crime being committed there and his fucking grow was not mm-hmm. the crime. Mm-hmm. And I suppose nothing um, happened to the people who originally tried to raid him, in, you know, just tried to kick his door off in the first place. Yeah, no, absolutely. They ignore that. Isn't it? No, like, and like, that's what's wrong, mate. And like I said, that's why I won't roll over. And who knows? You might speak to me a year from now and a hell of a lot of shit might have gone down. And you might speak to me a year from now and we're still in the same boat. Who knows? Just got to keep fighting, is, innit? Yeah, why there's yeah. a breath in my body, mate? Why I've got fight in me and why I've got troops still coming to the front line? We'll keep one. Hmm. So how can people get involved with your fight there, man? How how can how can they join up with the Teesside Cannabis Club and things like that? Well, if you want to become a member, you can sign up at www.teesidecannabisclub.co.uk and it will take you through the process. You can also save, I think it's £20 or £30 is an option to save money on there as well for the record. Uh, there's also discounts available for... What discounts for? Is it for veterans? And for yeah, veterans. Veterans and NHS staff. Cool. Uh, basically drop us an email at info at teesidecannabisclub.co.uk make sure we spell teeside right a lot of you are in the area who will then say on social media we've emailed you and had no response back and I'll be like have you spelled it, spelled it correct <laughs> so it is a hard word teeside but it's double E and double S yeah double right. E double S I've noticed yeah yeah double E double S <laughs> uh, and you can sign up to the club but if you want to take advantage of our medical my, my medical prescriptions We've opened that scheme where you can save £50 on your first consultation without you needing to be a member. 
So you can Ooh. just go on my Medica's website. A quick Google search will bring you up my Medica. Spell M-A-M-E-D-I-C-A. I think is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Spell it out loud. <laughs> Basically, my medica go on there, take you through an eligibility form. You fill in the eligibility form, supply or give them permission to get you some of your care records. If you've tried two prescription drugs for an ailment or something and it hasn't worked, then you're possibly an eligible candidate for a cannabis prescription from them. Uh, if you use, if you know, you know as your code, you'll save £50 off your first consultation. Nice. If you're on any any kind of benefits, you could be eligible for the, is it easy access to call? Yeah, yeah. For the easy access scheme. And that's basically £200 upfront, but that's all your consultations for the first year paid for. Sweet. And then nice. it's just one consultation a year after that, where the clinics do a few different consultations. My medical just do one consultation a year after that. Mm. so then it'd be 75 pound a year after that i'm not sure what if there's a reduction on that for if you're part of that scheme also veterans are eligible for that scheme as well where it's only 200 pound so if you're a veteran and you're looking for medical cannabis definitely look at my medica nice man and use that code if you know you know yeah you guys are leading the fight man it's good to see that somebody is it's hard up here mate it's hard out here trust me like i said mm. if people want to stand with us Make some noise. That's all it is. Get out there, make some noise. Get events going. Summer's coming. Get them field mm-hmm. events. You can't. They can't lock up three hundred years. They can't lock up a thousand years. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But be sensible too. Don't be inviting dickheads. Don't be having alcohol at your events, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. With alcohol, there's a lot of licensing laws involved. You're inviting the trouble. Yeah. Not inviting trouble in terms of people drinking it. That's going to come anyway. Yeah. I'm talking in terms of legal giving shit. them legal legal mm-hmm. access to come to your shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We've got so, somebody asking in the chat here, is he in Brighton for the UPA event? The squad are definitely at Brighton for the UPA event. Uh, we'll have a stall there, I believe, with some merch. But to be honest, we don't. our merch is sold in shops. We don't really sell it. So we've only got a little bit to showcase. We can sell it where it's there, but it was more just to showcase some of the bits that we've got out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will be at Brighton this week. Is it this weekend, this Friday? Friday. Uh, I'm not so sure. We, what, is, what is this event? The Black, Black French has relaunched the United Patients Alliance. Okay. And basically, this is a medical summit where he's invited peers and people to speak. Uh, there'll be a panel. You can buy tickets on Eventbrite for it. Um, but yeah, the team will be there. We'll have Adrian there. We'll have Tony there, who runs the If You Know You Know brand. We'll have Chantal there, who's part of the If You Know You Know brand and works at the club. And we'll also have Millie there, who's the manager at the club. So you'll get to meet some of the team. You'll be able to ask questions. Uh, Pretty much wherever you need to know. More like you'd be able to see someone hands on and speak to someone. Nice, man. That'd be uh, interesting. I wish I knew about known about it sooner. I might have been able to go there. That'd be cool. Yeah, uh, well, like I said, mate, there'll be plenty of events that we pop up at. We'll be planning on hitting Product Death as well as part of the brand this year. Cool. So we're gonna we we haven't been about for a couple of years because we've just been focusing on obviously keeping this open and mm. keeping this operating and working on things behind behind closed doors mm-hmm. but we're going to be making lots of noise over the next few months cool man that's what i like to hear so i mean it's been very interesting talking to you man it's inspirational i hope there's loads of people out there listening to the show who you know get inspired by this and start making some noise like you say and start get their own I hope up so. and running. like i said i really hope so and don't be emailing and messaging me saying love what you're doing bro 
oh can i do this how can i do that because literally we get hundreds of messages you just mm. need to click on a quick youtube video or whatever it'll tell you but my advice is don't worry about asking permission just fucking do it crack on deal with all the shit that comes with it as it comes do you know what i mean but be sensible safeguard yourself protect yourself but how do you mean protect yourself? What what can people do to protect to protect themselves? Don't be having like kilos of weeds up behind the counter and shit, no, like stuff right. like that. No, like mm-hmm. if you're gonna open like my advice would be for any any listeners listening, you can find somewhere really cheap to rent, rent it, get your social media on that page as set up person, start like my business model was outdoor free. That's the easiest way. Summer's coming, get some nice free events, build up some membership quality there. Yeah, get a little fan base. Don't be extorting them, don't be ripping them off. Give them something for what they're getting out of you. Do you know what I mean? Let that event be free to start with. Then introduce a cheap club. Our first club was £300 a month. Then we had gas and electric, so they all in 500 quid a month. It worked with volunteers who worked in the early days. Right. So we had volunteers running the club. We never took wages or anything. It was just ran literally as it was. That's how we want to be operating. And then if you get shut down, what are you losing a little bit of rent? You've been supplying a space for someone to come and have a smoke. Mm. Let that run for a few months. Then start introducing your harm reduction measures. Start like trying to figure out how you can safeguard this. How can we stop them doing this? As you're doing all that, just keep a record of what you're doing. We like keep a plan, you know, like have your business plan worked out, how you how you're working forward, what you're doing, what you're doing to safeguard. At the end of the day, you want to be trying to argue if shit hits the fan that all you're doing is providing a safe place for people to consume cannabis, for adults to consume cannabis, regardless of it being illegal, they're gonna do it at home. What difference is there? Now it's medical. It's just an unlicensed cannabis product. It's not fucking an illegal product. Mm. Forget that. It's an unlicensed product. There's no difference to that medical cannabis that comes in a little white pot and the, the weed that you're buying or you're growing yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think people just need to be mindful, be be sensible, reach out. Don't be like you don't necessarily have to be fucking in the dark. If you feel like you've got a link into the council, even if one of your friends is just a counselor. Have a crack with them. See if they'd be like tolerant to your opening the area. And then if the police were going to lean on them, they can like have a chat and say, no, it's just a harm reduction centre. It's providing safe services. Reach out to your mental health services that around you. See if they'll partner with you. We've partnered with local agencies where we get referrals from uh, substance abuse services, basically, into our services. And we have mental health services where we can refer you into psychiatric assessment. We can have you sectioned if we need to. We've got all them, all that at our disposal because mm. we get members occasionally that do need a little bit extra support or do need a little bit more help. We like to try and provide that if we can. Yeah, man. It's a community, isn't it? We've got to look after each other. Yeah, yeah I mean, our, our staff are trained, mate, so they can identify when there's been a dip in someone's mood or something that they're purchasing that doesn't necessarily agree with them or speaking with the partners or speaking with the chaperones and just seeing what the mindset's been like when they've been at home gives us a little idea and a profile of like, how we can help them or how best to direct them into another service if our service isn't for them. We have had a couple of occasions where we've had to refund membership and explain to the service users that they're not an ideal candidate or a prime candidate for our services. We've had people literally emailing us while they've been sectioned, giving me nothing but slaver, haven't we? No, like, we've had it all, mate. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't understand. It comes from every battle. (laughs) No, like... Mm -hmm. It's not, it can't be an easy job, but it's going to be worth it in the long run, isn't it? Yeah, like I said, mate, at the end of the day, I never in a million years sat in my bed thought I was going to be sat here 10 years from now with something that was successful, something that has, like, it's got followers in America, in Mexico, 
we've got followers in India. It's crazy, like it's massive, it's huge, and like we st- I started this from nothing. I started this from standing in the field, just believe in yourself, believe in your dream. Get literally out tomorrow. Get tonight. Get your Facebook page or Instagram page set up and get out tomorrow and make some fucking noise. Get out the next week and make some noise. If you've got kids and you've got a family and you've got something that you're worried about, obviously then it's not for you. If you're gonna have anxiety and sleepless nights, don't be putting yourself on that front line. I'm not asking your listeners to risk yeah, themselves. That's my problem, man. It's because oh, I'd love to do shit like this, but I've got. I've kids. got bands on that, mate. But it got too deep. I didn't expect to still be running ten years later. My kids are fucking ten and eight, mate. So they've been like along for the ride and like. <laughs> Obviously, I'm committed now at this point where my kids understand that if dad has to go away, dad has to go away. But you know what? This is bigger. Yeah. Bigger than me, bigger than them, bigger than fucking anything. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We've dedicated a grander to run Hog. Uh, we call it the Hog. And it's right. got his quote on it, sensible, not soft. Mm-hmm. And we're donating 10% of the profits from that to more neuron disease. Cool. So we're t- doing everything we can to try and give back to the community, doing everything we can to try and make it a safe space for other people that went into. And like I said, if you've got any listeners out there that do think they've got a chance of getting in with the Crown Commission, they've got a chance of getting in with like an executive at the council, we've got a hell of a chance if you adopt this model that operates and works of really pushing forward and moving forward. Nice. Yeah, man, I love it. I love what you're doing. That's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. No, thank you, mate. It's been nice chatting. Yeah, man, it's been good chatting to you too. I mean, and if you, if you want something to play in your club, feel free to play high on homegrown to your to your visitors. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, we will. We will definitely, mate. We will. Well, I'll let you know when this uh, episode goes out as well. It should be in uh, on a Wednesday in like next week or the week after. So it won't be. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, mate. We'll make sure we go shared on our socials. Sweet man. And just one more time, where can people find you guys? Like you on Facebook and Instagram and all that shit? We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, quick Google search, T Side Cannabis Club will bring up a wealth of information. You can double sign E double S. Yeah, double E double S T Side <laughs> Cannabis Club, uk. Uh you can find our products if you search hashtag if you know you know or Robert's Direct. If you're a wholesaler, you'll be able to find our products if you've got a shop and you're interested in selling them. Uh, that's www.robertsdirect.co.uk and they're basically the wholesaler for the brand um, but pretty much where if people want to come meet us if you want to sign up if you want to use our services it's very few people we turn away from our door but we're very welcome and very warm have a lot of support and people here yeah man that's fucking awesome so we'll, we'll let you know when more cannabis clubs pop up then <laughs> yeah look forward to back from your listeners mate and look forward to uh, hopefully hearing some noise this year from people yeah man awesome awesome yeah. it's been a pleasure then Michael thank you very much for coming to join us man it's been a great chat yeah brilliant mate let's speak again sometime for sure for sure yeah man yeah mate take care nice one mate see you later goodbye see you later bye there we go everybody that was the interview with michael fisher from teesside cannabis club if you want to know more about teesside cannabis club you can just head to their website which is teesside cannabis club teesside is spelled t double double s i d e and then cannabis club so if you wanted to know more and you wanted to get involved in that club then just head to his website and you'll find all the information you need over there In the meantime, thank you as always for downloading and listening to the show. We have a cool selection of interviews coming up over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for those. We have an epic one with Marco and Brian from the Future Cannabis Project. 
And we also have an exclusive interview with the guys from Mephisto Genetics. They've never done an interview before. The one with High on Homegrown is their first interview ever. And it was super cool, man. So that's going to be released next week. So make sure you download that episode too. You're going to love it. But anyway, hopefully we'll catch you tomorrow for the special 420 live stream. And if not, I hope you enjoy your 420 and you have something nice to smoke and you get super high and have a great day. And we'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides. Stay high, stay safe. We'll see you on the next one. Goodbye.